podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. boys and girls two for the podcast on monday the 20th of december brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location and access the stuff you're geo-blocked from so if you're a uk expat and you want to watch your bbc iplayer your itv hub or your sky go liberty shield will allow you to do so just by changing your location to the UK, doesn't matter where you are, it will fool the interwebs and you will be able to watch your BBC iPlayer, your Now TV, your Sky Go, whatever it is, it will work. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL599 and that will get you your first month for one quid. 6 99 thereafter, but no contract. So you're not tied into anything, you're not making any long-term commitments. EPL 599, first month for one quid. LibertyShield.com. Instant download to your device and get using straight away. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. EPL 10 on the EPL side, red 10 on the Anfield side, 10% off at checkout. If those codes don't work, because Etsy is having issues with discount codes for whatever reason, simply tweet the EPL Index or Anfield Index accounts on Twitter, and they will refund you the the 10% difference. Send them your transaction code. Tweet them, say... Can I get a follow about a purchase on the Etsy site? Message them your code and they will sort out the refund for you. Okay. Uh, Right, folks. Four games the weekend, meant to be five, but the Aston Villa Burnley game was called off. Uh, Steven Gerrard had been campaigning for the game to be called off and it was due to the COVID outbreaks that Villa and maybe Burnley were suffering. I think Burnley might have had one or two cases but Villa apparently had quite a severe outbreak. Seems a little strange that's the only game that was called off, but called off it was, so we got four. On Saturday, we had one game, one game of football on a Saturday in the Premier League. Leeds won, Arsenal four. Let me just read you this Leeds team and then the subs bench, and then we'll go, because this is... This is insanity. Melier in goal. Cody Drama at right back. He's a, he's a kid. Uh, Robin Cock, first game, I think, of the season, but certainly in months. Uh, next to Luke Ayling at centre-back. Luke Ayling, not a centre-back by any means. Uh, Stuart Dallas, a midfielder at left-back. Uh, Matthias Glish and Adam Forshaw in midfield. Rafinha, Tyler Roberts and Jack Harrison behind Joe Gellhart. Uh, Harrison had to come off after like 30 minutes. 
Check out this for a bench, because this is crazy. Christopher Klassen, the young keeper, he's 21. Lewis Bate, the young midfielder that they signed from Chelsea, I think he's 18 or 19. Uh, Somerville, he's 19 or 20. He came on and came off again. Sam Greenwood, he's the kid they got from Arsenal who'd come from Sunderland initially. Liam McCarron, he, he's a kid. Jack Jenkins, he's a kid. Christian Richard Moore, he's a kid. And Nohan Kenna, he's a kid. That is, without question, got to be the youngest midfield. Oh, sorry, the, young, the youngest midfield. The youngest bench in Premier League history. The backup keeper, Klassen, he's the oldest of them. Someone's missing there. Someone is missing off that bench that's listed. There was a 15-year-old on the bench. Kenna's 18. Moore is 18. Jenkins is 19. McCarron is 20. Greenwood is 19. Somerville is 20. Not long gone, 20. Bate is 19. Claussen is 21. He's the oldest of them. He's just turned 21 in November. But there was someone else. I can't think who it was. But he's 15. And that's who they had to put on their bench just to make up a squad. Now, they're not hit with COVID yet. That's largely just due to injuries, which will tell you how decimated they are. Whereas you look at Arsenal, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel, Tierney, Tomas, Xhaka, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli and Lacazette. That's their best 11. Or certainly they're not missing anybody from that 11. Emil Smith-Rowe is one you could say should be in. He's on the bench. So is Leno, so is Holding, so is Sores, Pepe, Tavares, Chambers, Elneny and Enketia. You might say Rob Holding would make that bench. That's about it. Arsenal basically at full strength. Leeds decimated. An unsurprising 4-1 win. Arsenal played some very good football. But the Leeds defending was an abomination. Martinelli puts Arsenal one up on 16. Doubles the lead on 28. Both of them the result of comedic defending. Saka makes it three on 42. Again, the defending is atrocious. It takes a big deflection and find its, finds its way in. Xhaka should have been sent off. Xhaka should have been sent off. Xhaka stamps through a challenge onto Rafinha's ankle. It's as clear a red card as you'll see. And Granit Xhaka proving once again that he is an absolute liability and a completely brainless footballer. Rafinha would make it 3-1 on 75 minutes with a penalty after Gelhart was brought down by Ben White in the box. There's no debate, no argument. It's a blatant penalty. Rafinha dispatches it brilliantly. But Smith-Rowe made it 4-1 on 84 minutes. And this is the pick of the bunch of the goals. This is an outstanding goal. Odegaard drives at the Leeds defence which is in chaos. He slips a lovely little 
lofted pass, doesn't try and get too much height on it, just kind of lobs it through the defender's legs. And um, Smith Rowe finishes it really, really well. Arsenal looked like they could have won this six or seven. The second half, they were very much cruising. But when Saka scored that third goal, it really did look like this could be a repeat of what happened to Leeds in the week where they shipped seven against City. Arsenal did play well, but Leeds are absolutely appalling at the moment. And they're in big trouble. Leeds are in big trouble. They've got injuries everywhere. They've got too many championship caliber players in that squad. They're forced to rely on playing kids, like children. Uh, As I said, there was a 15-year-old on the bench. Their injuries at the minute... Well, Firpo was suspended. Uh, Harrison, he got hurt. He had to go off. Liam Cooper, Calvin Phillips, Patrick Bamford, Rodrigo, Struyck, Shackleton, James, Cresswell, Loriente. None of them look likely to be back for Leeds' next game. And Leeds' next game is Liverpool. They may not be back for the following game, which is Aston Villa. And then they get Burnley on January 2nd. That's three tough games for differing reasons. But that could well be three more defeats. And given where they sit in the table, currently 16th, three points ahead of Watford, five ahead of Burnley. But Watford have two games in hand. Burnley have three games in hand. All of a sudden, things are looking quite dark for Leeds. With all of these injuries, especially the Phillips one. Loriente is a big loss at the back, though he had been struggling in recent weeks. But losing Phillips in midfield is just is a killer blow. And with him likely to be out till mid to late February uh, following surgery, it just does not look good for them. 36 goals conceded, the second worst in the division after Newcastle. 18 scored. You've only got Norwich, Wolves. Norwich have played a game less, and they're not going to score 10. Um, Wolves have played the same amount. Burnley have played three less. They've got four goals less. Brighton have played two less. They've got two goals less. Tottenham have played three games less. They've got the same amount of goals scored. Newcastle have the same amount of goals scored. Southampton have played one less, scored two two less. So they've got the joint seven worst attack. The second worst defence. They look lost in games. Rafinha did have one moment of brilliance where he dribbled into the Arsenal box, left a couple of them sitting down, and should have scored. Whether that would have made a big difference in the game, I don't know. But they really did struggle to do anything against Arsenal. Uh, and credit to Arsenal. They, they're, they're flat-track bullies. Arsenal have ten wins this season, six of them against the bottom six. 
They've got four wins against the the 13, 13 teams that make up the top 14 along with them. That's not impressive. That's why I believe it's a false dawn for Arsenal. That's why I believe they likely finish around eight. But they have taken the points against the bad teams. But you look at 11th to 14th, Everton beat them, Brighton outplayed them and drew with them, Brentford beat them, Palace outplayed and drew with them. They beat the teams 7, 9 and 10. 7 and 10 would change managers shortly after those games. 9 haven't been particularly good this season, Leicester City. They've got one quality win this season, West Ham. United beat them, and the top three all spanked them. Now they get Norwich next in the league. That's after they play Sunderland in the EFL Cup quarterfinal. So you'd expect they will stroll through that no problem. Then they get Norwich. Then they get Wolves at home. Then it's Manchester City at home. Nottingham Forest away in the Cup. Then Tottenham away. Then Burnley at home. So easy one next. They should beat Norwich comfortably. But then it does get a little bit more difficult. And in the following five Premier League games, they play Wolves twice. Arsenal, Tottenham and Burnley. They should beat Burnley, but it'll be a physical game. We'll learn more about Arsenal through January into February than we have thus far. Because they also play Brentford and Liverpool in February. So by the end of February, we'll know a lot more about Arsenal. But there's, I see three losses for them coming up in the next eight games. And we wait and see how they do against Wolves. They should beat Norwich. They should beat Burnley. They should beat Brentford at home. But the two Wolves games will be tough. And then Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool are games I think they will lose. Moving on into Sunday, Manchester City 4, Newcastle 0 at St. James's Park. Ruben Diaz on five minutes. Uh, comical defending by Kieran Clark. If anyone can explain to me why Kieran Clark was in the team, I would love to know. Simple ball to deal with, and he ducked and decided not to bother. And what shouldn't have been an assist for Joe Canseo became an assist for Joe Canseo and Ruben Diaz finished quite comfortably from short distance. Canseo himself made a two on 27. Beat a man, stepped into space, nobody closed him and from the edge of the box he rifled the ball past Dubravka. Uh, Riyad Mahrez made a three on 64 minutes. Great cross into the box. Great finish. Initially, the linesman flagged, but VAR reviewed it. And he was onside. And it was a, a quality goal. And Raheem Sterling on 86 minutes. Tapping home after great work by Gabriel Jesus. Dubravka made a couple of good saves. Ederson did make one tremendous save in the game. Uh, that was worth noting. But Newcastle were just diabolical again. Now, they, sh 
they could and maybe should and probably should have had a penalty. But it's a really weird situation. There's a ball played into the box. Ryan Fraser chases it. Edison comes flying out of his goal. Canseo gets to the ball first and turns away with the ball and is going up the pitch. And Edison clatters into Fraser and sends him flying. Vio reviewed it, decided it wasn't a penalty. My assumption is, and, and Dale Johnson has uh, is, is slacking today. He hasn't put out his Monday thread on on decisions. My assumption is that because Canseo got to the ball first and was travelling away with the ball, that VAR have deemed that what happened between Edison and uh, Richie doesn't constitute a penalty. But it's a little bit of a... Like, he cleans them out. Absolutely cleans them out. He's not anywhere near the ball, and he just cleans through the player. Look, it, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. City were going to win this game regardless. They had 18 shots, 7 on target, 72% of the ball. Toon had one shot on target. That's that Edison save I mentioned. Newcastle weren't competitive in this game. So, as I mentioned, Dale Johnson, um, his computer crashed as he tried to um, complete his thread. And the backup file is corrupt as well. So he is going to either have to redo it or now, to be fair, there is only four games, so hopefully it didn't take him a crazy amount of time. But there is, you know, a few things in this game and a lot of things in the Liverpool game that he he would have need to have a look at. And obviously the Xhaka, the Xhaka red card should have been a red card. The, I think this is a penalty. I do think Toon have been hardly done by in that I think this is a penalty. But again, wait for Dale's thread. If if he Post anything before I finish up here. I will read through it, but um, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Newcastle got got their backsides kicked once again by a vastly superior team. So Newcastle are second bottom in the Premier League, 19th position, 10 points from 18 games. Norwich also have 10 points from 17 games. Burnley have 11 points from 15 games. Watford have 13 points from 16 games. So Things not looking good for the tune. 41 goals conceded. It is the worst in the division. 18 goals scored. Like Leeds, it's the seventh worst attack in the league. Uh, they play Manchester United at home on December 27th. Then they travel to Everton. Then they travel to Southampton. Then it's Watford at home. Then it's Leeds away. And then Everton at home. That's a tough run. Because United, we expect they'll be improved under Ranić after this break they've had because they had games called off. Everton should have, or hope to have, a number of their players back. I know they're hoping to have Calvert-Lewin back. They're hoping that Dinia will be available, though whether he's going to stay at the club or not, we don't know. Uh, and Tom Davies should be back as well. So that Everton game is tough. 
Southampton will be tough because Southampton are kind of in the same boat as Newcastle. They've got 17 points from seven, 17 games played. They will not want to allow Newcastle to close the gap on them. Watford, three-point gap. They will want to maintain that gap. Leeds, six-point gap. They'll want to maintain or extend it. And then they get Everton again at the start of February. And you'd imagine Everton will have a lot of players back. And Newcastle might have had time to bring in a couple. But most of the names I've seen linked are very uninspiring. And not the types that will actually help them this season. City, top of the league. I believe that's eight wins in a row now in the Premier League. 44 goals scored, second best, nine conceded. That is the best in the division. 14 wins, two draws, and two defeats. City are rolling. Now, they get Leicester at home, which will be a tough one on uh, Boxing Day. Then Brentford away, which again will be difficult enough. Then Arsenal away. Then Swindon in the Cup. But then they get Chelsea at home, which will be a very, very big game on the 15th of January. Then Southampton away and then Brentford at home to begin February. So, difficult enough run. The Leicester game, the City, uh, the Arsenal game and the Chelsea game specifically, those are tough games. But if City roll through those... They could well have the title wrapped up pretty early this year. Because Liverpool are going to lose a couple of players in in January to the AFCON. City will lose Mares, but they've got more than enough quality. They've got a three-point gap. It's still, obviously, a very tight title race. But if City keep playing like this, they're going to be hard to stop. Some of the football they played at the weekend was a joy to watch. It is Newcastle, but again, they, you know, they can only beat what's in front of them. Uh, once again, looking better without Jack Grealish and the team. That is, unfortunately, just the state of play for them at the minute. They're better without their £100 million signing. They're not the only club in the league in that situation. We'll get to Chelsea. But, um, look, City do look dominant at the minute. There, there can be no question. They look really, really dominant at the minute. Um, Wolves nil, Chelsea nil. If ever a game was destined to finish 1-0, it was this one. Now, in saying that, Wolves were unfortunate in this game. Because there's a handball by Kante, which stops the ball going through on goal with Wolves players racing onto it. That could have been a red card. They had a goal disallowed by VAR. Even though Pedence, who scored it, wasn't offside, Jimenez was, and he did try and play the ball. So, can understand that one. Uh, Donker had a great opportunity with a header that he should have scored from, but it was a weak header, and Mendy made his only save of the game. Wolves had four shots in the game, not counting the, uh, the goal that wasn't, one on target. Chelsea had eight shots in the game, one on target. Chelsea also hit by COVID, obviously. Um, the first 11 is strong, but you look at the bench, only six players and two of them goalkeepers, and another one of them, Kovacic, who hadn't played in 
what, six weeks or so. And he came off the bench, as did Saul. So not an ideal situation for Chelsea, of course. Uh, no Jorginho in midfield. That will have been a blow to them. But I did think Marcus Alonso played quite well. And it was his brilliant pass for Pulisic that gave him the only real chance that Chelsea carved out in this game. Uh, but a, a good save by Jose Sa to deny him. Um, no Lukaku in the Chelsea team. No Lukaku in the Chelsea squad. I think he must be one of their one of their COVID cases, though they haven't uh, publicly said who their COVID cases are. But, you know, he's been on the bench the last few weeks. He wasn't particularly good when he was in the team. He started well and he destroyed Arsenal, but, you know, I mean, it's not really an accomplishment. Um, but he hasn't been good this season. And I do wonder if perhaps Tuchel is going to have to do something different. If maybe in January he needs to insist on a central defender so that he can switch to a back four. Because right now he's he's got Christensen who can play in a back four. Aspie would be a right back in a back four, not a centre back. Uh, Silva can't play in a four without lots of protection around him, which he won't get at Chelsea because Reese James will be a fullback and he will bomb forward. And the left back, whoever it is, Alonso for the moment, Chilwell, whenever he returns, uh, or Luca Dina, who's been linked, they're all very attack-minded. So, and we've seen Rudiger in the back four, and he's he's just not very good. Um, I, I do wonder if that's the best approach for Chelsea, though, to go and buy a centre back, go and buy yourself Jules Kunde or whoever it is that you want, and move to a back four. You've got the midfielders to play a double pivot, so you don't need to worry there. You've got the players to play in a three behind Lukaku. Maybe playing Lukaku in a 4-2-3-1 will work better for him. I also think, look, he could play a 3-4-1-2 rather than the 3-4-2-1 that he's been playing. You could play Mount or Havertz behind Lukaku and Werner. I know Werner hasn't been great for Chelsea. But his pace and his movement could facilitate Lukaku in the same way Latoura Martinez did. He's not as good a player as Martinez, obviously. But drawing defenders, running in behind, making the right movements, working the channels and getting crosses into the area for Lukaku to attack... Those are things that Werner can do. Havertz can't do them. Mount can't do them. Zayic can't do them. They don't have the pace. Pulisic could do it. Pulisic would be the other option. But he's had injury problems. But I do just wonder if if even that subtle change, going from the 2-1 the to the 1-2 and getting pace up alongside Lukaku, if that could be key and that could work. You play Mount or you play Havertz as the 10. You've got your central midfield group. You'd be fine. And look, I thought Saul looked better at the weekend. He hasn't played well for Chelsea, but he's still a top-class midfield player. It just hasn't worked yet for him at Chelsea. But if Tuchel gives him more opportunities and more regular opportunities, he will turn it around. He's too good a player not to. But moving to 4-2-3-1 might allow them to get 
more of their attacking players in team. It would allow them to get perhaps Pulisic, Havertz and Mount. Play Mount off the left, Pulisic off the right, Havertz as that number 10. Or Hudson-Odoi off the right either. That right-sided player would be able to go narrow and attack the box because Reese James will overlap. The left-sided player will be able to float inside and attack the box because Chilwell, Alonso, potentially Dina will overlap. Again, you've got your double pivot. You don't need to worry there. The question is, what do you do at centre-back? And the only answer would be to buy somebody because no two of Chelsea's centre-backs will work as a, as a back four. They tried it in this game and it was comical. They went briefly to a back four in this game and it was comical. Uh, this was, as expected, quite a dull game. But I do give credit to Wolves. Thought they were very disciplined. Thought they played some good football. Uh, interesting to see Dendonker step into midfield and then move away from the 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2. Make themselves a little bit more solid. But they've now played Liverpool, City and Chelsea in recent weeks. And done well in all of them. Liverpool beat them with a late goal. City beat them on a bogus penalty. And they got a draw against Chelsea. They can be pretty proud of that run. Even though you look at their recent form. One win from five isn't great. But add some context. Draw against Chelsea. Third in the league. Defeat to City. Top of the league with a bogus penalty. Defeat to Liverpool with a 94-minute goal. So all things considered, they've done pretty well there. Uh, up next for Wolves, who really should be playing Arsenal next, by the way. I don't understand how it is that the two teams have 18 games played. Their 19th game is against each other in the first half of the season, but Wolves play Watford, who they've already played, and Arsenal play Norwich, who they've already played. Um... So, yeah, they've got Watford next on Boxing Day. Then they get Arsenal away. Then Manchester United away. They'll be two tough games, and we'll learn a lot about them in those ones. They get Sheffield United in the FA Cup. They get Southampton at home in the league. And then Brentford away. That'll be tough. And Brentford are the one team who really did outplay them and make them look bad this season. So, that's one to watch on the 22nd of January. Then they begin February, obviously with the second game against Arsenal. For Chelsea, they've been in a bit of a rut. The inability to score goals has caught up on them. And having looked so good up until they beat Newcastle, a draw with Burnley, they did comfortably beat Leicester. They drew at Manchester United. They scraped a win against Watford. They lost to West Ham. They scraped past Leeds with a late penalty. They drew with Everton's under-14s. And now this result here. They're not losing games other than the West Ham one. They're still very hard to beat. But the lack of goal scoring when being solid defensively is a concern. They can score goals and leave themselves open. You know, we saw in the Zenith game as well, a 3-3 draw with Zenith St. Petersburg. 
not a good result. Cost them top spot in their group, but did get them Lille in the draw, so they'll be happy enough. But I do think Tuchel has to find a bit more balance to this team. Yeah, only the two defeats this season. That's the same as City. Only Liverpool have less. But five draws. Like Liverpool, five draws. 39 goals scored. Still the third most in the division. 12 conceded. Second, sorry. Yeah, 12 conceded. Uh, second best in the division. So they are right there. They're three points behind Liverpool, but six behind City. Six behind City is a lot. City might slip up once. Twice, that's difficult. You're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to go to the Etihad and beat them and take back three of those points. You need to hope Liverpool beat them and then you need to hope you beat Liverpool. And you work that way. You're going to have to beat your rivals. But they need to get back to flat track bullying the rest of the league. Or Tuchel's going to find himself under some pressure because it's Roman and that's what he does. He puts managers... Under pressure. Final game of the weekend. The one with the most controversy. Tottenham 2. Liverpool 2. A draw is a fair result. Okay, Let me start by saying that. A draw is a fair result on this one. Spurs played well. Liverpool played well. Liverpool lined up with a makeshift midfield. Keita, Tyler Morton and Milner. Milner was, was, was poor. He was poor. Morton looked out of his depth. Keita had an okay game. Wasn't good, wasn't bad, just okay. Salah was quiet, as he has been in a couple of games recently. He'll, he'll find form again, but he has been quiet in a couple recently. Um, no Van Dijk at the back. Tottenham looking much stronger. They've been able to cancel the last three games with COVID, and it has helped them. They've been able to get players back. Um, no Heusberg. He's probably the only starter out with COVID. And then Romero is out, but he's injured. Um, looking at their starting eleven, the only other one you'd look to bring in, you could argue Lucas Mora would be a starter, but he was on the bench. Regulon is a starter, he was on the bench. They had a strong bench there as well. Uh, Doherty, Regulon, Roden, Lacelso, Bergvine, Tanganga, Mora, Skip, and Austin. So who's missing from that? Berg. Steven Bergvine? No, he was there. So, yeah. They're only really missing two players. Heusberg and Romero. And Romero will be out anyway. So, it's worked well for Spurs to, you know, that they've been able to take the little bit of a break and get their players back. But they're going to face a hectic backside of the season. Now, there's news today that they have forfeited their game against Wren. Uh, it goes down in the books as a 3-0 defeat. And they are out of the Europa Conference League. That's probably a positive for them. Means more coaching time for Conte. And you could see that the coaching time he's had already is paying off. They don't have the intensity to do it for long spells. But for 20 minutes here, I thought they were excellent. And they went one up through Harry Kane. A really good finish from a tight angle. Uh, Kane would miss two great chances himself later in the game. And he played a bad ball to Son. Kane missed three good chances, didn't he? He did. Kane missed three good chances. Scored one, missed three good chances. And messed up the chance for Son with an overhead pass across that Son just couldn't stretch to enough. 
Uh, Delhi Ali should also have scored. Spurs were, were really good for 20 minutes. Rampant, I would say. And probably should have been three or four up. Probably three up after 20. Yeah, three up after 20. The other chances came kind of after. But regardless, you get my point. Spurs started really well. Liverpool found their footing, played their way back into the game. And Diogo Jada made it one all on 35 minutes. Good header from Andy Robertson cross. And that's how it finished at halftime, 1-1. But before halftime, Liverpool were screwed over twice. Harry Kane should have been sent off. It's a reckless, high-footed challenge. He's got his eyes closed, which will tell you how rag He didn't even know what he was doing. He just threw himself at Andy Robertson. He tried to claim he got the ball. Utter garbage. Utter nonsense. He knows he either, he's either lying or he genuinely doesn't know he, got, he didn't get the ball because he had his eyes closed. But it's a blatant red card. And Paul Tierney bottles the decision because he's England captain. And VAR came out and said that because Robertson was jumping, it lessened the risk. I'm sorry, that's not the rule. That's not the rule at all. Andy Robertson jumped. Harry Kane still caught him halfway up the shin. That's how high Harry Kane's foot was in the air. It was at least a foot into the air. Harry Kane should have been sent off. I've said this before on this podcast. I'm going to say it again and again and again. Harry Kane is the dirtiest player in the league. We've seen countless examples of that backing in nonsense that he does, where he's got no intention of trying to compete for the ball, and he just sticks his backside into somebody who's already jumped to take their legs out from underneath them. He's going to get somebody hurt. He's had a couple of tackles like this this season. And when he's horsing whatever weight he is, 14, 15 stone, his big old arse on him, throwing that into challenges, that is completely reckless, completely dangerous, and that should have been a red card. Liverpool also should have had a penalty in the first half. Emerson Royale just charges through Diogo Jota as he's about to shoot. No attempt to play the ball, just barges the man over. It's a blatant penalty. And Paul Tierney's excuse was, well, Jota stopped. No, he didn't. He slowed to take the shot because he was going to shoot with accuracy. He was going for precision. It's a blatant penalty. And the fact that he hasn't given them is no surprise because, let me give you some numbers. Liverpool have played 20 Premier League games this season. In those 20, sorry, 20 domestic games this season, including two in the League Cup, obviously. In those games, they've been issued 27 yellow cards and one red card. 11 of those yellows and the red have been issued in the three games refereed by Paul Tierney. So 17 non-Paul Tierney games, 16 yellow cards, less than one per game. Three Paul Tierney games, almost four yellow cards a game, and he gave a red card to Andy Robertson later in this one. And we'll get to it. It is a red card. I've got no gripe with the red card. But still, 16 yellow cards in 17 games versus 11 in three. Liverpool aren't more aggressive and don't play differently just because Paul Tierney's the referee. That is a staggering lack of competence. He's not even trying to hide the fact that he's got an issue with Liverpool. It's a blatant red card. It's a blatant penalty. 
there's absolutely no doubt about either of them. Second half, Liverpool go one up through Andy Robertson. Spurs continue to miss chances, but Andy Robertson scores on 69 short-range header from a good work from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Five minutes later, Youngman Son capitalises on an error by Alison Becker. Becker had been phenomenal in this game up to this point. He comes out to try and clear the ball, realises he's going to slide out of his box, and twists his body to avoid handling it. It breaks through the sun. It's a tidy finish. It's 2-2. Andy Robertson is sent off three minutes later. Hacks through the back of Emerson Royal. No complaints. It's definitely a red card. Like I said earlier, a draw is a fair result on the balance of play. But Kane should have been off. If Kane goes off, it changes the balance of play. And Liverpool should have had a penalty. Now Spurs should have taken their chances. That's the, the flip side to it. They should have had at least they should have scored at least one more goal with the chances they had. So the draw is fine, but Paul Tierney is a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. And I had been hoping that Dale would have uh his thread up because well I think he'd have quite a few interesting things to say about that. He hasn't got it up, and I'm finished talking about the games. Liverpool are second in the league, three points behind City. They have Leicester in the League Cup on Wednesday. Then they get the good fortune of playing the Leeds under seven collective on Boxing Day. That should be pretty much a guaranteed three points. Then they get Leicester away on the 28th. That'll be tough. Then Chelsea away on the 2nd of January. And that will also be tough. Then it's Shrewsbury in the Cup. Then they go Brentford at home, Palace away, Leicester at home, Burnley away. Now I believe Salah and Mane and potentially Keita will miss the games against Brentford and Palace. But they're games they should have enough to win anyway. And then they should be back for Leicester and Burnley. Liverpool so far, no cancellations. So no gaps to fill. We we wait and see what happens in the with the Leeds and Leicester games. The hope will be that they go ahead. Uh, the Leicester League game, I don't really care about the EFL Cup, being honest. But Klopp said they'll try and fulfil. Now Klopp is not happy about having to play the 26 and then the 28, but that is just what English football is at Christmas time. So there can really be no complaints. For Spurs, they are seventh in the league. They're six points behind Arsenal, but they do have three games in hand. So I think they'll feel quietly confident that they can get a top four spot. They've got West Ham in the EFL Cup. Then Palace at home, Southampton away, Watford away, all winnable games. Then Morecambe in the Cup. Then Arsenal at home, big, big game. Then Chelsea away will be a big test of where they are under Conte. Then it's Southampton at home. So Chelsea away is the toughest game. But obviously a North London derby is always a a big event. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if we head into February. Remember, they have have games to make up. Three Premier League games to make up. So one of them might be slotted in somewhere around here into a midweek, maybe between the Arsenal and Chelsea games, um, to to try and, you know, ease the schedule. But it wouldn't surprise me if we get 
kind of into February and Spurs are in the top four. It really wouldn't. Um, right, I'll take a break. When we come back, we've got Garrett Crook's team of the week. We've got a bit of news. We've got some gossip. And uh, we'll be done. All right, see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we have some meetings taking place today. One of them is among the Premier League managers to discuss what to do with the fixtures and the league and whether or not there should be a break. Um, Jurgen Klopp, uh, he mentioned both Eddie Howe and Thomas Tuchel and what they've had to say and what they've had to put up with um, in terms of, you know, COVID. We've seen certain clubs have games cancelled. Certain clubs haven't had been able to get games cancelled. Chelsea couldn't get their game cancelled yesterday. I don't think they had enough COVID cases. I think that was the thing. They've got some injuries as well, obviously. Um, Leeds, Leeds just have injuries. Uh, but if they get COVID on top of injuries, they might not have anyone to play. Um, so that meeting's due to take place today. There's also a meeting between the executives and that one will have more of an impact because they're more of the decision makers. But it remains to be seen what happens with that one. Uh, David Ornstein has his usual Monday column up. Nothing from Dale Johnson, unfortunately. So he gets no more mention today. Um, Newcastle's fight to avoid relegation from the Premier League suffered another dent when they were beaten by Manchester City. But they have switched focus, obviously, off-field. And are attempting to find themselves a director of football. And Dan Ashward, uh, who is the director of football at Brighton and Hove Albion, is believed to be high on their list. Brighton have given permission for him to speak to Newcastle. They don't want him to leave, but they feel this could be an opportunity for him. So they've allowed him to go and speak to Newcastle. So it remains to see what happens there. Ashwood is good at his job. He was at West Brom for a number of years. He's done well at Brighton. He worked with the England setup uh, for some time, for six years. Um, so, yeah, it could be a good a good appointment for Newcastle. He'll have um, he'll have big influence if he goes there over transfers and things like that. But they need a lot. They need a lot. Uh, this is a strange story. Lee Conjurton, who's not good at his job, uh, is set to leave Leicester City, where he is head of recruitment to become the general manager of Atalanta. I'm really not sure how Atalanta have come to the decision that this is the guy they want. I mean, John Rudkin has been running the show at Leicester, not Conjurton. Conjurton did a dreadful job at recruitment when Rodgers was at Celtic. Um, so I'm really, really surprised that Atalanta are making a move for him. Like, the signings they've made that were on Rodgers and him, that Ryan Bertrand, Yannick Vestergaard, and um, Timothy Castanier, no successes there. Dennis Pryat, he's already gone. Uh, Ryan Bennett, not a success. Cheng is under. These are all players they tried to get for Celtic. 
Whereas, you know, your James Justins, your Yuri Thielemans, well, Yuri Thielemans was there before them. Uh, he came in on loan. James Justin was a long-term target, as was Daka, as was Fafana. I mean, you might give them credit for Yosi Perez, but he's not exactly lit the world on fire either. The, the recruitment hasn't been great. The long-term targets, the young players, Justin, Fafana, Daka, Sumari, Leicester have been after them for years. And they're ones that, that could be successes. Thielemans was there before them. He's the only out-and-out success thus far apart from Fafana, but he's out with the broken ankle. But the the, the clear Rodgers, Congerton signings are Bertrand, Vestergaard, Castanier, and Dennis Pryor. And none of them have done particularly well. So, I don't know. Jesse Lingard is to stay at Manchester United until the summer. The fella just doesn't seem to have much interest in having an actual career. Uh, no Christmas party for the Premier League referees. PGMOL finally get one right. Why VAR didn't send Tierney to review the Kane tackle is such such absolute nonsense. It's such absolute nonsense. Because he jumped. And Kane still caught him high. What a load of trop, uh, trollop. Um... I tried to say trollop and tripe in one and made it a new word, but it's not really a word. Uh, let's move on to Garth Crook's team of the week before I, you know, mumble too much more. Jordan Pickford in goal. Um, uh, Everton didn't play this weekend. So I'm not really sure. He's given it to them on the basis of the Chelsea game. But that's not how this works, Garth. Uh, Trent at right back, Robertson at left back. Robertson was sent off at the weekend. Uh, Ruben Diaz, because he scored a goal, uh, remains size. I assume because he scored in midweek. That's my assumption, is that he scored in midweek. So that's why he's in. Yes, it is based on his goal against Brighton. It is not based on his performance. Here, uh, Robertson apparently gets in based on his performance against Newcastle. Um, that's that's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Canseo in midfield doesn't play in midfield, but never mind. Uh, KDB, Bakayo Saka, uh, Aaron Ramsey, who does play in midfield in the front three, uh, Martinelli and Foden. No issue with with Canseo being in but not as a midfielder. Put him at left back and put Robertson out of the team. Uh, no issue with Ramsey being in, though his team did not play at the weekend. You want to put him in based on his goal against Norwich because, you know, he, that's why he's in. Not because of his performance, but because he scored a goal. Uh, Martinelli's obviously in because he scored goals. Foden's in. Didn't he get a goal against uh, Leeds? I think he did. He got a comical goal, I believe, against Leeds. And yes, unsurprisingly, he is in for his performance against Leeds. So, you know, it is purely just players to score goals because Garth doesn't really watch the football. Jurgen Klopp has said he will not sign replacements for Salah, Mane and Naby Keita. He picked his words quite carefully, so I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, we'll finish up with the gossip and be done for the day. We've got a few days worth to catch up on. Uh, Anthony Martial wants to leave Manchester United as soon as possible, says his agent. Ralph Ranić says that they haven't heard from him. 
the player or the agent. Uh, Anthony Martial could join Juventus on a loan deal. No, he couldn't. No. United are not going to loan him out. Uh, Manchester United's, sorry, Newcastle United's new owners have been advised to move for <laughs> Martial because I'm sure he can't wait to play in the championship. Newcastle are interested in Bubakar Kamara and Tosin Adarabayo. Both very good. Uh, I, I, I really, I love Kamara. Um, but I don't know that either of them are going to make that move because Kamara can wait till the summer and have his pick of clubs. And Tosin, well, Fulham are going to probably come up this year. So he'll be in the Premier League next year if he stays where he is. And if he doesn't, he could be back in the Championship. Uh, Everton have agreed a fee of £18 million for Vitaly Michalenko. This, the, the mail say he's 25. He's not. He's 21, 22. Liverpool have put a £15 million price tag on Nat Phillips. They'll probably accept 12. Manchester United and... England forward Marcus Rashford is open to signing for Barcelona. So says Sport, uh, an outlet in Spain, who'd like you to believe that all players still want to go to their crumbling giants. Uh, Edinson Cavani wants to leave Manchester United in order to sign for Barcelona in January. So says Marca. Um, Manchester City and Spain forward Ferran Torres is Xavi's main target. Is there any news that's not to do with Barcelona? Uh, Frankie de Jong, no one cares about Barcelona. They are an irrelevant club right now. Uh, Chelsea, Barcelona, Bayern Munich and Ajax have all sent scouts to FC Copenhagen to watch 16-year-old midfielder Rooney Bardigigi. Bardigigi? I, I, sorry, kid, if you ever hear this. I, Rooney. We'll call you Rooney and uh, best of luck. Pick the right club. The, the right club is not Barcelona. It's probably Ajax. Um, or Bayern, to be fair. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been training on his own because um, Mikel Arteta is laying down the law. Um, Arteta is keen to add Arthur Mello. Makes sense. This is great. Chelsea are interested in AC Milan and France left-back Theo Hernandez as cover for Ben Chilwell. Theo Hernandez is substantially better than Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell would be the cover. Leeds have been dealt a January setback after John Swift says he wants to stay at Reading. I'll believe it when I see it. Newcastle have decided to terminate Matty Longstaff's season-long loan at Aberdeen. I don't have any idea how he's done. Let's have a quick look. Has he even been playing? Um, He's playing a bit. He's playing a bit. Maybe they want him back to actually play him for Newcastle. Um, No, to be fair, he's only played five games out of 25. So uh, that's not good. That doesn't reflect well on Longstaff. I have no idea if maybe Aberdeen are stocked with good midfielders. I I couldn't tell you, to be completely honest. Uh, Moving on, Juventus are interested in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That would be about right. Um, Leeds are looking to sign Weston McKenney, but it would cost about £20 million to sign him. They could do with him. He'd be a good signing for them. He really would. Um, Edinson Cavani is Barcelona's top target for January. So after all the fluff and bluster of you know Pulisic and 
this guy and this other fellow who could cost 50 million, Edinson Cavani, who'd be on a free. Uh, Juan Mata is also a target for Barcelona. Um, Manchester United are prepared to rival Chelsea in a bid to sign Jules Koundé. Guarantee they're not. Uh, I'll bet money on it. They're not. Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp says the clubs are not the club are not close to making a signing in January. But if they were, he would be reluctant to bring in a player who's not vaccinated. He actually flat out said he wouldn't sign someone who's not vaccinated. Um, Newcastle are keen on Anthony Martial and Eden Jekyll. Right. Uh, Paris Saint Germain sporting director Leonardo has not given up on Kylian Mbappe signing a new contract. I mean, he's going to sign for Real Madrid on January 1st or, or at some point in January. I, there's just no other way around that. Uh, PSG are prepared to test Barcelona's resolve to keep Gavi. Barcelona manager Xavi says that Gavi is the future of the club and the teenager has no ceiling, which is exciting when you consider they also have Pedri and Ansu Fati, who are also exceptionally talented. Uh, Newcastle have been tipped to sign Deli Ali. Started for Spurs the weekend, and I thought he played really well. Now, he should have scored, but I thought he played well, I have to say. Sven Botman is another target for Newcastle, but he's unsure about leaving Lille in January. He's unsure about joining a team that will probably get relegated. That's what he's unsure about. Antonio Conte has spoken to Arturo Vidal. No, he hasn't. Um, Manchester City will open talks with Joe Canseo about a new contract. Makes sense. He's having a, a cracking season, to be fair. Napoli have identified a list of potential January targets, including Davinson Sanchez. If you can get decent money for him, sell him, you'll find a good replacement. Arsenal are interested in Dejan Kulusevsky. We've been hearing about this for weeks, but there's been no movement, and he doesn't really fit because Saka. Um Bayern Munich will join the race to sign Rafinha next summer. I have doubts whether that's true. He would fit in well there, but they've already got Coleman and Gnabry and Sané and Musiala can play wide and Davies can play wide. They don't need a winger. Uh, Roma boss Jose Mourinho wants Tammy Abraham to convince Ruben Loftus-Cheek to move to the Stadio Olimpico. Ruben Loftus-Cheek would do really well at Roma. Uh, Christian Eriksen Christian Eriksen's dreams, oh, dreams of playing football again after his Inter Milan exit. So he has terminated his contract. I think fair play to Inter for allowing that um, and fair play to him for wanting to play on. Uh, Watford are keeping tabs on Omar Cali, Omar Colley of Sampdoria. Um, he's awful. Well, no, look, he's not awful. He's not good. He's very rash. They do need centre-backs, but uh, no. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. Sign Nat Phillips, please. Um, Borussia Dortmund CEO Hans-Joachim Watzkes has confirmed Real Madrid are interested in signing Erling Haaland. Makes sense. Real are dreaming of teaming Haaland up with Mbappe. I've been saying that for months. Manchester City are set to reward Bernardo Silva with a new contract, doubling his wages. He deserves it. He's been incredible this season. Now, he's he's cooled off a little bit recently, but, you know, he, he'd been phenomenal. 
through at least the first 15, 16 games of the season um, domestically. Fernandinho looks set to stay at Manchester City in January with Atletico Monero's hopes of landing him fading. I can't see that City would have let him go in January anyway. Uh, Dusan Vlavic, who's been linked with Manchester City, Arsenal and Newcastle, has rejected the club's latest contract offer, says the spoofer Romano. Um, Atletico Madrid will let Kieran Trippier move to Newcastle for £15 million if they can sign a replacement. won't be hard. Uh, Barcelona have offered Phil Coutinho to both Tottenham and Newcastle. I can see him going to Newcastle. I can see him being their like big, big costly mistake. They're going to make one, and he, he might as well be him. Newcastle will test Everton's resolve for keeping unhappy French fullback Luca Dini. Luca Dini is not going to want to go to Newcastle. I'm sorry, he's just not. Unless now, maybe if you offer him a boatload of money, but I just don't see that. Matthias Delict's defender, sorry, Matthias Delict's agent, Mino Riola, says the player is ready to leave Juventus. He might want to actually prove he's good enough for Juventus because. He hasn't done well there. Like, he had an okay first season, a bad second season, and this season's been catastrophically bad at times. Chelsea have set their sights on a deal to sign Ruben Neves. I wouldn't imagine so. Paul Pogba has played his final game for Manchester United and will leave in January, says Football Insider. Um, No, he won't. Nobody's going to buy him when they can have him for free in the summer. Simple as that. United missed their window to sell them. They're screwed now. Juventus are interested in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That was yesterday as well. And that's it. That is us, folks, caught up with the gossip, caught up with the news, caught up with the games. Um, We've got no Premier League games now until after Christmas. Um, We do have the EFL Cup quarterfinals, which take place, I believe, Tuesday and Wednesday evening. yeah, Tuesday we get Arsenal Sunderland and Brentford Chelsea. Wednesday is Liverpool Leicester and Tottenham West Ham. So that's what we have between now and Christmas. So uh, for the rest of the week, we'll just be making it up as we go along, trying to find things that are interesting to talk about. Uh, maybe we'll do some lists. Um, we might. Mo- I might do, you know, what every team needs from Santa this Christmas. Um, so, like, for Newcastle, a new squad. Um, that, you know, that would help. For Arsenal, some leadership. But, yeah, we'll, we might do that this week as well. But we'll find a way to at least fill an hour of your day uh, every day up until Christmas Eve. And then from there, it'll be a bit of a fluid one next week. Um, there'll be no show, obviously, Saturday, Sunday, there'll be no show the Monday. There will be a show the Tuesday, but maybe not the Wednesday. And then we'll be back Thursday, Friday, and then into the next week, and we'll be back. So that it might just work like that. So that you might get, you'll get five this week. You might just get three next week. And then um, back to normal once the new year rolls around. Okay. Uh, that's me, folks. Thanks a million. I will speak to you all tomorrow. Bye bye.
Social Podcast Network.